Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, guys, I am your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr., joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? How is everybody doing? I hope everybody's safe and healthy and well. Yes, sir. Just, yes, just sir. washing their hands. <laughs> Please wash your hands. Please. So go back outside. But anyways, guys, we have another special guest today on the podcast. We have Dr. Kenyon Godwin on with us. Dr. Godwin, thank you so much for hopping on here. You know, we really appreciate it and looking forward to just diving into your story and being able to to give these listeners some valuable content. Hey, welcome. I'm really happy to be here and be a part of this. I love what you guys are doing and backtrack off what you guys said already, the importance of washing your hands. I laugh at that because it's like, these are things we were supposed to be doing already, but it's, it's cool. We're going to pretend like it's new. Wash your hands. <laughs> Ain't that crazy though? Isn't that crazy that this whole thing is like, made you just realize like, what were people not doing before? Right. Like, right. Uh, it, it, it's pretty scary actually. You know, because now you start going back to your mind and you think about all the restaurants and now it's to go over you like, so were the people in Chipotle, were they really washing that's why all the restaurants have the sign before you go wash back. Your hands. Wash your man. Wash your hands. Yeah, that, that's when it gets real. When, when that when that clicks. Yeah, it's crazy it's out here. Most want to throw up in your mouth. It's crazy, but you know we're glad that if you're doing well and that you're able to join us. Like Carl said, just right off the bat, you know I got to point out the fact that just the opportunity to get this conversation to have this conversation. Right, I was you know kind of like reflecting over the sheer fact that we're all three of us are in three different places and you know doing something like this you know five ten years ago I actually don't even think was a possibility you know and and the fact that you know three of us get to get together and just have a conversation that impacts not just ourselves because really you know everything we do is just be able to change the healthcare profession and healthcare industry and so you know I'm pretty sure that this conversation has been God appointed and like you know you even being able to come in contact us come in contact with you wasn't just something random it means a lot so we're really super super like beyond happy that we have this opportunity i'm just uh dig deep and see see what you got going on and you know how you're impacting the world i'm excited so let's 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 just hop right into it so right off the bat tell us why why did you decide to be a chiropractor why not another field what about this field appealed to you so much so I'm going to give you the short version of the story of how 
because before it gets to why being a chiropractor, you have to understand what my motivation was to be a doctor. Right. Right. And so for me, when I was 12, my mom, I grew up, you know, very different than what people probably expect looking at me and all the things that are going on today. So I was raised in a single parent household and we were pretty poor, you know, so poor that you don't know you're poor until somebody else tells you you're poor. Right. And so single parent household, my mom, I'm the oldest of three. And when I was 12, my mom had a heart attack. And, you know, so it's one thing when you hear about older people having a heart attack, but when it's someone in their thirties and mind you, I watched my mom walk a mile or two every day. So seeing somebody, because my mom doesn't drive, so she doesn't have a license, she didn't have a car. So for, for her to go check the mail and get things from the store, she walked. And so seeing someone that you see operating in a healthy manner, you know, per se, walking, and then all of a sudden you get a call when you're at your grandmother's house at your mom's in ICE because she had a heart attack. It can be very traumatic and jarring. What was more traumatic for me at that point was my mom worked in a chicken plant. Uh, a lot of times we think of like Tyson's chicken you see it in the store. So my mom worked for Tyson's dealing with the processing of chicken. It's a pretty gross job. No disrespect, but it's pretty crazy. With that being said, she made minimum wage. She didn't make a lot of money. She didn't have any health benefits. So when she had this heart attack, they jumped in. They did a crisis care, you know, helped her get through that moment. But then it was like, well, you may need a procedure done to help you from having future incidents. However, since you don't have the money to pay for it or insurance, we're not going to be able to help you, right? And if you guys know, like I know, when you are in a predicament where you don't have the, the resources and the funds, what that ultimately means is you're sent home to suffer. And so there were lots of nights that I would come home from school or whatever case may come in from playing, and I would, my mom is having chest pains and not feeling well. And as a kid, I just remember in my mind, my perception of this was that they didn't want to help my mom. Like, why is insurance or something a reason not for her not to get care and to deal with this? Right. And um, so selfishly, selfishly my, my answer was, I want to be a doctor so that I can help my mom since apparently nobody else wants to help her. So that's what that, that first thought of being a doctor came from. Not because I grew up with doctors or saw doctors. It was simply like, I got to find a way to do, to do something about this. And it, and it didn't seem very realistic either. You know, I never seen a daughter that looks like me or anybody from my neck of the woods that uh, had accomplished something that was deemed so prestigious. So that's what started me. And it's funny looking back at it now because I, I can see how God took the pain that I was dealing with as a kid and turned it into a purpose, right? Fast forward, forgot all about that as far as those ambitions, just continue to live my life. I got into high school, and for me, I knew that most of my cousins who were successful in life all went to the military. And they would tell me, don't stay here. You know, I'm from Virginia originally. Don't stay here. Leave. Go in the military. So that's what I did. I signed up to go in the Air Force at 17. I graduated at 17. I went in the Air Force a month after graduating high school. And I've been on my own ever since. So after I got out there, I had a medical job. I was working in a, as a laboratory technician. So I'm working in a hospital, and I had an opportunity. I call it an opportunity where there was a young lady who had just given birth. She had a C-section, and she was bleeding out pretty bad. I mean, really bad. Something didn't go right during the C-section, right? So here I am in training, but stepping up to the plate, I'm doing emergency cross matches, um, you know, advanced stuff 
that I was just trained on and I'm not freaking out. So I performed well under that kind of pressure and it just kind of reinvigorated that feeling that I had when I was 12 of helping change and save lives. And so then I'm like, you know what? I think I can be a doctor. And as I started looking at it, my resolve was, I know I didn't want to um, prescribe medication just because I didn't grow up like that. You know, we grew up with home remedies and if you needed medicine, you know, it was like casserole or Robitussin or Vicks, right? <laughs> and that was it. Um, yep. I, knew I, I knew I didn't want <laughs> exactly. I knew I didn't want to deliver babies. That, that was just not my thing. And I uh, wasn't too sure about surgery thing, but I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna try to operate in this contradiction and see what I can do. And my anatomy and physiology instructor was a chiropractor. First time I had ever heard of chiropractor besides an episode of Martin, right? Gina's dad was a chiropractor, so I didn't quite understand, but you know. So here I am, I'm in class, and this man taught us the body, all the different parts with stories from his office. And I was just inspired because he's talking about exercise, he's talking about nutrition. You know, before we used the word wellness, it was a wellness approach. And I was just like, I think, I don't know what you do, but I think that's what I want to do. And that was 2000, that was 20 years ago. And so I just said, okay, I, you know, the internet wasn't working the way it's working today. So I couldn't do a whole bunch of research. I just said, all right, I'll just get my bachelor's degree one step at a time, and then I'll work on this chiropractic school thing. It took me seven years to get my bachelor's degree, not because I'm slow, just because I was in the military for eight years. And, you know, you have to start and stop, move, move three times. And if you've ever transferred schools, you know that what I'm talking about, that pain of, yeah, we're only going to take this many credits. Um, you know, so there was classes that I took like three times. I'm just like, this is ridiculous that y'all are making me take this over. I've already taken it, right? Um, so that was uh, how I came into chiropractic. And it was truly by faith. You know, 2004, gave my life to Christ. And um, at that point, I had already committed to doing this. But I just prayed and said, God, show me if this is what you want me to do. And that's the confirmation I got. And so uh, as weird as this part of the story is going to sound, I pursued chiropractic. Um, without ever going into a chiropractic office and actually understanding what I was going to be doing. So I went into, a, I got my first chiropractic treatment visit going into an actual office one month before I was supposed to start school. I had already committed. I had already given my resignation to the military. My wife and I had already came to Texas to pick out a home and all of that. I mean, we, I'm all in. When I commit, I commit. But yet, to some people that was foolish, like you don't even know exactly what you're doing. And first day of school, they go over the whole philosophy and give you the, the big scope of what you're doing. And uh, man, I loved it. And having looked back, I'm in my 10th year of practice. So it's just been amazing. First of all, there's so much I want to dissect, right? <laughs> so much I want to dissect, but I'm just going to hit a few points really. First, like, you know, earlier you said that, especially coming from a background where you don't really see people in your position that look like you. And, you know, just to kind of hit on that, like that big of an effect, you know, growing up for me, I never really thought about it because I grew up like in a super diverse area. And mm -hmm. so I never like actually grew up with like the thought that perhaps there are people in certain places of the world that literally don't get to see themselves represented, you know? And it wasn't even yeah. till like, honestly, I was like 19, you know, when I was like, oh, there's stuff going on. So just for you to be able to push through that, I think, you know, 
just projects like the kind of person that you are, especially when it comes to like being an entrepreneur and when it comes to doing your stuff. Cause then the next thing you said is like, when you commit to something, you commit hundred percent, right? Straight out of high school. Like you said, all right, Air Force, we're getting out of here. We're going to go do this thing. And just to make that commitment in itself is huge. So that ain't no small thing, first of all, right? For the listeners that are listening, like to make that decision, knowing that what it entails, because that's what you grew up knowing. Everybody was doing that. And Yet you knew at the age of 12, like, y'all want to be a doctor. Like, that's what I want. But you don't see it around you. Just like, that's what I want. And, you know, the part that really hit for me, you know, besides like the VIX thing, because I also understand that like right now throughout this whole thing, I've been doing like garlic, (laughs) garlic and honey, trying to get through this whole joint. But just to hit the point where like you still stay true to who you are. I think a lot of listeners and perhaps a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of healthcare providers like, at some point, people tend to lose their idea of who they were supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. You said it turned your pain into your purpose. People tend to lose that idea of who they're meant to be, who they're supposed to be, who God like ordained them to become. And I think part of that could be like the world going around and, you know, you just start settling for less, 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 less. But in your case, you said like, this is what it is. This is what I'm going for. At the age of 12, you manifested it. And then you hit the military and then you said, all right, this is what it is. And to me, it's crazy. Cause like, I'm thinking even the fact that you said a month before you started schools, when you actually stepped foot in an office and you're like, all right, what are we doing? Yeah. That's huge. Having that kind of commitment, having that kind of dedication to the craft, to the point. And you know what? I want to hit this for like the people that are listening, just the concept of being all in, right? I just want to hit this real quick. Many of us don't realize what it actually means to be all in. It's nice to say, it's nice to hear, it's nice to, I want to say pretend because somebody's going to get offended, but it's nice to like even think about, but the actual act of being 100% all into what you're doing, because that's the only way we win in this field. That's the only way we win in this like industry. Like you either got to be in or you out. You can't dabble. You got to be like a hundred percent all the way in. And for you, you said, I'm doing this. I'm going to do chiropractic school. You moved to Texas. You picked the house. You did all that. And then after all that, after committing to that level, especially with like people telling you what was going on, this is crazy. Like, what are you doing? Cause I can only imagine like, if you did not have the foundation or maybe, I don't know. I don't know if like you had moments where you're like, what am I doing? But I feel like you did it. But for a lot of people when they're dealing with that, where they have multiple people continuously telling them like, yo, this is not what you should be doing. This is not it. And then being able to tune in and focus and understand like your path is your path. Your purpose is your purpose. That's huge. And I wanted you to hit that a little more because I think there's somebody that needs to hear that and understand what it even takes to hone in so much and understanding what it is you're supposed to be doing that all the other white noise suddenly just becomes that just background noise it has nothing to do with what you're doing talk about that a little bit man you know i was blessed with a lot of abilities you know that i can understand as a blessing now and you know sometimes what you think are your greatest disadvantages or is really your greatest advantage right so despite the background when you come from a place where there's you can only go up I was so committed to leaving my area and to making a life for myself that I was going to do it. it you couldn't, you would have had to, had to fight me to keep me from doing something great. I mean, just seriously, I watched enough and I'm like, this isn't going to be me. I got to do something. And watching my mom, you know, I can look back now, even though, um, you know, she didn't have a whole lot as far as material possessions and things, 
a lot of the principles that I operate off of, the dedication for sure. My mom, man, she's she's focused, organized on it, you know, just tremendous work ethic. So you get a chance to learn that and you have to apply it. But when you become an adult, you have some decisions to make. Life is just simply a bunch of decisions. And when you become an adult, you have to decide, I'm either going to be all in and make this happen or not. I read Kobe Bryant's book, the, you know, the Mama Mentality, right? Kobe was one of my favorites. So in the Mama Mentality, there's a page that Kobe has, and it's just a bunch of little stories that he, he's just going over his career. And it was a page that said, man, I know a lot of people probably took this the wrong way or thought he was being arrogant or being a jerk. And Kobe was talking about greatness and what it takes to be great, right? And I never forgot, it was so cool because Kobe said, most people underestimate what it takes to be great. They're not willing to put in the work. They're not willing to push themselves and get things done. And he said, a lot of people have things that come up, like we all do, right? Whether it be distractions, family, name it out. You know, like, it's just things that happen, right? He said, however, you still got to either do it or not. He said, but I'm not mad. He was like, after all, greatness isn't for everybody, <laughs> right? And I was like, wow, that's kind of tough. That's the title right now. <laughs> but he's right. Greatness yeah. isn't for everybody, right? And so we get comfortable being mediocre because mediocre is better than what we're accustomed to or what we used to. And the problem is, man, Paul, is so many people are living a life, they think they're all in because they're all in compared to somebody else, right? I don't compare myself to anybody else. There's no comparison. God made me uniquely the way he made me. I'm coming after me. My comparison every day is, am I better today than I was yesterday? Did I learn something? Am I a better person? Am I a better entrepreneur? Am I a better doctor, a better husband, better father, right? That's what my motivation is. I can care less about the people, uh, you know, all these different conversations and things. You know, it is what it is. I'm going to do what I need to do. And so a lot of that starts with knowing who you are. So you talk about a lot of people getting lost in their purpose and not understanding they change who they are in the process. Well, it's easy to change who you are if you're trying to adapt to others' expectations. There's people that are doctors today because somebody told them they were going to be a doctor. Somebody told them they should be a doctor. They have parents that are doctors and they felt like they had to follow those steps. That's not my story, right? And so we got to be real with ourselves and be able to say, hey, this sounds good. I would love to do it. But is it really what I'm supposed to do? Is it really what I'm called to do, right? And if it's not, be willing to say, then let me figure out what it is. Don't just do it for the money, right? Because you can make a lot of money doing anything. Tony Robbins said, Success without fulfillment is failure, right? You can make a whole lot of money, but if you're, if you're not happy with what you've done, what you've accomplished, if it does not fulfill your purpose and call in life, this is why you see millionaires killing themselves, committing suicide, or now the new craze seems to be, you know, the whole human trafficking, having sex with young kids, right? They got all this stuff, but they're not fulfilled, so they're trying to find something else or in some other way. Man, just be true to yourself. I'm, I'm going to do a bunch of videos on my own. We'll talk about that later, a recording, right? I, I help coach some other people, doctors and all kinds of entrepreneurs. And so I'm going to do this series on clarity. So I give them a preview to listen to this. So the thing about clarity is we feel like that we need to go and search for clarity. 
right? Like, man, I just gotta find clarity. And really, we don't have to find clarity. Clarity is clear, it's always there. What happened is our upbringing, our parents, our, our peers, our teachers, life, horrible situations, all this jump on us. So all this stuff is just packed in. And so we can't see who we are because we got all these other things in the way. So if you want clarity, then just push that stuff off, push it out the way so you can get to the essence of who you were in the first place. What made me want to be a doctor? I, I mean, I have plenty of friends that are at a crossroads where they're trying to figure out, do I still want to do this? And I asked them, well, why did you want to do it in the first place? Okay, so if you know why you want to do it and you felt good about that, what has changed? What have you allowed to disrupt your whole peace and flow that now you're, you're, not, you're thinking about doing something different? So I know that was a lot, but. That was great, really and truly. Man, this is why I was excited. So let's, let, let, let's talk about it because you, you, said a lot, you said a lot of really good stuff just now. And I find that a common thing that is prevalent in a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs or they want to be successful or they have these big goals for themselves. The one thing that's prevalent in a lot of them that don't get to reach that level of success is exactly what you said about clarity. And I think the issue that tends to happen sometimes is just like you said, it's there, but we like to neglect certain things. And it's very difficult for you to be able to have those honest conversations with yourself sometimes and say, you know, I don't think I can hang around this person anymore. Like, like, yeah, this is family, but I don't know. Like they're, they're not helping my growth. And I think having those, those tough conversations is what allows you to be able to kind of break through that wall that you just continuously keep hitting. And it's like, like nothing's given, you know? And I just, I really, I really love that, uh, the, the Kobe quote, because Kobe, Kobe was one of the goats, like, man, not just, not just because of how he played the game of basketball, but just his mentality, because his, his greatness, and, and, and let's talk about that a little bit, because even in that book, one of the things he said that I loved was the fact that he realized if he wanted to be great at basketball, like he had to have like a ridiculous work ethic. But the problem was he knew he had basketball and he knew he had a family. Yes. That I wasn't willing to sacrifice either one. Yes. Like I wasn't yeah. willing to sacrifice my game and I wasn't willing to sacrifice my relationship with my family. And so I gave a hundred percent. He gave, he gave it all to both of them. And I, I, I love that because a lot of, entrepreneurs make excuses and say like oh well I can't do this and I like I can't I can't do multiple things or I I I can't I can't balance and it's like yeah you can you just choose not to and it goes back to what you said about greatness isn't for everybody you know I I I really love that so 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 let's let's talk about it so you finally finished school you know you're, you're finally a doctor you know from the, the dream has been fulfilled from, you know, 12. Mm-hmm. And now you're here and you've been working a little bit. When does your mind start to shift towards, you know, I think, I think the next step is ownership. You know, I think I want something that's my own. 
I think I want to build my own, you know, dream. I want to start my own clinic. Like how did, how did that transition happen? And what were, what were some of the, the mental barriers that you had to overcome in that process to finally being able to make that dream come true? So I actually started with ownership from day one. <laughs> I just, I, I, I never worked for another doctor. I just came out the gate doing it. So I told you earlier, you know, when I'm committed, I'm committed. And while I was in school, I'm a student, man, still am. I, I love to learn. I read tons of books. You know, two years ago, I read 100 books in a year. Last year, it was more about 60. Um, I probably got about 10 so far this year. So I'm always trying to learn and better myself. And so when I was in school, my process was when we have a break, I would look through a phone book and find all the chiropractors in the area. And um, I try to go every day and go to somebody's office and shadow them. You know, I bug them, you know, like, hey, can I eat mine? Some of them weren't as uh, willing. Some didn't want me to ask questions. They just wanted me to sit there. I said, cool. I would sit there with a notebook, take notes on the layout of their office, what I liked, what I didn't like, how to talk to their team, how things were working, interaction. I did that all the way through. And, um, and what God showed me was having my own place. And I didn't know how to make it happen or if it was going to happen, but I didn't give up on it. So I literally, in my first year of school, I started planning my practice. I mean, name, style, everything colors i thought about this stuff and i i just would update it it was on a word document i just keep updating document updating document updating document so when it was go time i was just ready so i did not have a lot of money to start a practice <laughs> right i don't know if you want to get to that that's an interesting story in itself as far as how that got started but i had the concepts and the ideas and i and i had this fantasy, right, that I'm a doctor, I'm going to be able to go get this business loan and open up a practice and I'm going to serve a whole lot of people. I was pretty passionate about that. And, you know, this is 2010, right? I actually started the business before I graduated, before I actually walked the stage because I read the rules and in the state of Texas at the time, I didn't have to be a doctor to own a chiropractic clinic. So I had business cards made and I didn't call myself a doctor yet. And I went and I formed my business online, did it myself. And then I opened a bank account and had the little bit of money I had in savings put in the account. So now I could write a check or whatever. I joined a networking group all before I walked the stage, right? And, but I was thinking I was going to get this loan and went and found a place to practice, signed a lease July 3rd, 2010. I never forget. I was excited. Rent was going to be $1,300 a month. I'm like, cool, this shit all work out. I got my business plan. I'm ready to go. And then a week later, I hear back from the bank and they're like, uh, no. <laughs> True story. No, not give me the money. So I'm like, uh, you know, feeling like I was just, you know, on uh, Ashton Kutcher's uh, punk latest episode, right? Uh, if people remember what that is. So tried a couple more banks, man. I'm a veteran. I have all these things going for me. Model, plan. All these places have doctor loans, you know, that they give doctors. And then what they don't tell you in the fine print is chiropractors are excluded. And so I didn't know that. And so I, now I have this false sense of security and hope that I was going to be able to get this loan and start this practice. I've already committed myself to three-year lease and bills. The money that I had in cash, a lot of it I had already started using for get equipment and get things going. Because at the time, I was married with two kids. Now I have three daughters, but I had two daughters at the time. 
And my wife, the whole time I was in chiropractic school, man, I mean, she's working. We're barely making, I'm not working, you know, in chiropractic school, I'm spending 40, 50 hours a week in school, you know, between studying and seeing patients. So, I mean, we just barely making it, man. I'm donating plasma, you know, again, I'm dedicated. So I'm not gonna sit here and complain about what we don't have and what we need. I'm gonna do everything I can to get it, you know? So I'm going to all ends. I don't, I, I come from a poor family. You know, there's nobody for me to call and ask for help, you know? to get this done. And I knew I needed to start right away so I can help take care of my household. And so when I got that news that the third time, <laughs> I kept trying. So the third time, it was someone in my networking group and they were like, I'm gonna, it was, they were a manager of the bank. So they're like, man, if anybody can get it done, I can get it done. So I got you, we're gonna put all this together. And she called me as I was driving down the street on my way to pick up my kids from daycare. She said, I'm sorry, I tried everything I could, but they won't approve this loan. And I literally remember it like yesterday, man, it was a pivotal moment in my life. I pulled over into the parking lot. And this is what most people want to tell you, but I told you guys I'm pretty transparent and honest, right? Uh, you gotta be to have a, a Mohawk uh, as a doctor, right? <laughs> I mean, you just gotta be who you are, right? <laughs> Not everybody can do this. So I pulled over into the parking lot and it happened to be my church parking lot. It wasn't planned, there's just the nearest parking lot. And man, with tears in my eyes, because now I was like, what did I do? I'm now afraid. I've made these commitments. I had this passion and stream. And now everything I thought was going to work out is not going to work out. And I just remember opening my Bible and just flipped it open. And it opened to Numbers 13, which was when the children of Israel, the 12 spies, went out to spy the land. And that's what it opened to. And I read it. And I'm like, all right, God, I don't know what you're telling me, but this is what, what I read. And I'm just going to trust you. And, and that's what I did. And so with not a lot of money, less than $20,000 is what I started this practice with. And I had enough money to get through two months of bills. That was it, two months. To get my equipment and make it two months. And mind you that I'm opening in October, so I'm at the worst time to start a practice for healthcare, right? Two months. I had enough money to get me through December. And, you know, it was tight, it was tight, it was tight. But didn't get the loan. But, you know, God's good. I can tell you, um, August, October of this year, October 7th of this year will be 10 years since my practice has been over. But that's how it started, right? So focus, determined, faith, and man, the blessing in it. You know how earlier I said sometimes our disadvantage is our advantage? Yeah. Now I can look at it and see that that was an advantage for me. Because had I got the money, I wouldn't have developed the skills and the, I wouldn't have had the hustle and the same amount of things that were motivating me to make it. Because now when I only have two months, two months worth of money, I got to make it. You know, I was doing everything I could to be successful and to grow organically, right? Had I had the money, I might not have been that way. I might've been a little bit more relaxed and like, oh, it's no big deal. But when your back's against the wall, you're either gonna uh, get crushed or you're gonna have to push back, you know? And we gotta think about those things. You know, first of all, that's crazy. I understand like opening in October is literally the worst time of year. <laughs> <laughs> to start, everybody's going on vacation. Holidays, holidays, yeah. it's insane. I just thought you want to, because I'm, I'm, I'm enamored by uh, your story, and I just want to hear the next part because you just like dangled it in front of us. And you didn't keep going. How did you? All right, so this is the teaching part because we are a teaching podcast. How did you find a way to basically exhaust all options and get yourself through? Because again, like I think for a lot of people, what they need to hear is what it took for you specifically to push through that stuff. 
Because I think there's a lot of people that just haven't been pushed to the wall. Or a lot of people, especially in this climate, are starting to get to that point. Where their back's starting to get up against the wall and they don't know what's going to happen, you know? I just saw, what was it, Tesla talking about they weren't months ago they were like they're not letting anybody go and now they're furloughing people so i'm like it's hitting everybody at every single level so like what what did it take for you to basically exhaust all those options and put yourself in that position to just do whatever it took because 10 years into the game like you're out here crushing it so clearly something must be going right man two words just faith and innovation so the same time that i was finishing up school, um, I went through a discipleship program at my church for men called Men of Joshua. And it was, it was long, it was arduous. You know, a lot of scripture that you had to learn. Uh, you know, we were tested every week, different principles. There's 12 principles, there's lots of scriptures. And man, you know, it was probably the most significant thing I've ever done in my life, including becoming a doctor. Because the, the concept is teaching you to be a pastor of your home. And learning scripture, not for the point that you can recite it, but so that you can live it, right? And so when I was pressed in those situations, now I had to really walk out what I was talking about. You know, it's kind of like um, everybody's a gangster until they get confronted by a gangster, right? <laughs> and then we're like, well, now we really going to see, you know? <laughs> um, so everybody got faith. Faith is easy to have when it's untested, right? You can have the most faith in the world on Facebook until life hits you. But when life hits you, how do you respond? And that's how I had to respond. Don't get me wrong. I told you, I had a moment of freaking out. But then I had to say, okay, if I believe God showed this to me and called me to do this, then the banks can't help me, but he can, right? And you got to know that, not just because it sounds good. And sometimes you grow your faith by being in a predicament where you had no other choice. There's a song, I listen to a lot of Christian hip-hop. It's a guy named Swoop. And he says, you don't learn to trust God until you got to trust God. Don't learn you have nothing until it's just God. And so, so going through that, I had to live my life based off those principles, based off those scriptures, and just trust. And in, in the beginning, it was. It was a month-to-month thing. I remember for like the first seven months, every month I had the same prayer. God, please help me pay rent. And I'm, I told you, I'm going to be real. Please let me get enough to pay rent. And then it was about that eighth month. I remember like God was sitting in the room with me. He was like, I've done this for the last eight months. How many times are you going to ask me the same thing? Like, when are you going to grow past that? Right? And at that point, it was like a light bulb went off, man. And at that point, I realized like, he got me. Now, what can I do? What do I have control over? And that's a message for today, man. Right now, a lot of people, you talk about it, we're at a time where things are very uncertain and crazy for everybody. But what's happening is people are panicking and just losing their mind about hypotheticals in some cases, right? And, and I'm, not, I'm not downplaying being furloughed or, or laid off or not having money to pay for your bills or and things like that. I'm not. Like I said, I, I came from the bottom. I understand, right? But what I'm saying is my little brother, we're five years apart. But here's one thing that I learned from him. He says, he's a cop. He says, man, control what you can control. And that's something that we got to learn to do, especially at a time like this. I can't control this virus situation. I can't control if the SBA loans are going to go through. I can't control how long we're going to be quarantined. 
you know, um, then I couldn't control, I couldn't make the banks give me the money. You know, I couldn't bring in a whole bunch of patients. But what I can control, what's in my hands right now, I can maximize, right? And my thinking has always been the same, whether it's my marriage, whether it's my career. I want to make sure that if it doesn't work out, that I can look myself in the mirror and say, I gave it my all. I don't mind failing if I gave it my all. But to me, a worse feeling is failing knowing you didn't give it your all, right? So back to your all in. If you're going to be all in, be all in. But don't, don't be somewhat in and think that's all in. Because if you're in a time like right now, this whole COVID thing, and you're not all in on some things, you're going to be messed up. You got to know what you know and know who you are and what you're committed to. Right. And so that's, that's, that's just me, man. That's how I operate, you know? And I told someone a few weeks ago when this whole thing broke out and we started seeing it, mean, I've seen a decrease in patients and revenue like everybody else, man. I'm, I'm not exempt to that. And I've still been pretty optimistic. I mean, this is who I am all day long, whether I'm at home or here or whatever. And someone asked me like, man, how can you be so upbeat? Like you must be killing it right now. And I'm like, man, I'm not, I had like, 30 people cancel their appointments, you know, within two days. So I'm like, nah, this is not good. However, I thought back over the things that I've gone through in my life. And I said, uh, like what you just said, I said, man, listen, this is a situation. This pandemic is affecting everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It's affecting everybody in a lot of different ways. So this isn't crazy. It's unusual. It's undesirable. But to me, it's not crazy because it's affecting everybody. What's crazy is the stuff that I just told you about that was only affecting me, <laughs> right? So I'm like, listen, if I can trust God to get me through those situations, getting, getting a practice open with $20,000, having enough money for two months, if I can trust him to get through the things that were only impacting me, what do I look like not trusting him to get me through the things that everybody else is going through too? It's all about what you choose to focus on. I really love that. And I'm so glad that you said what you just said at the end, because I was going to I was going to point that out. Like you've been in the hole before, you know, like you've seen what it looks like to struggle. And so for me, I think of it in terms of any time you're faced with some type of adversity or any time, you know, life has you up against the ropes. It's like that's the perfect time, I feel like, for you to be able to take a step back self-assess and say have I been here before because if you have then you already know what it's going to take for you to be able to make yourself get out of it again you know because I think a lot of people what happens is whenever something doesn't go their way they automatically start thinking and start assuming the worst and they focus and focus on the on the negative aspect of it you know but I love, I love the approach you take because it's like, I'm not going to focus on that because that's out of my control. And the more we dwell on those things that are out of our control, the more we start to spiral into that, that level of what you said before, not having faith. Like, like you said, it's easy to have it when it's not being tested. But when it's tested, that's the one you need to have it the most. So I just, I, I really love that. And I think that that's also a testament to you actively and consistently sharpening your mind, you know, and, and, and always you talked about the, the, 
the books, like you've read so many books, you know, so you keep your mind sharp. And I think that's another thing that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of, they, they underestimate because they don't realize same thing. If I want to go to the gym and I want to put on five, 10 pounds of muscle, I got to hit the gym. I got to be in the gym, making sure I'm taking care of myself. I'm working out. I'm doing my cardio. I'm eating good. It's the same thing with our mindset. Like you have, you have to feed your mind. You have to read, you know, you have to put yourself around people that allow you to have these types of conversations. You know, you have to realize that if I want to get from this point to this point, there's something that I'm obviously missing. And what you're missing, let's bring it back now, clarity. It's right there in front of you. You got to get this right. Because if your mind's not right, you're not going to be able to make it to the type of success that you want to see. So I think that that's so amazing, you know, that you you have your mind at that point where it's like, you don't let things phase you the way they used to phase you. Yeah. And... I want to, I want to touch on that a little bit. So, so talk to us because again, like we like to teach, talk to us about how you're able to consistently sharpen your mindset, you know, besides just, just reading, like, like how are you actively making that happen on a daily basis? You know, how, and how has that played a role in you continuing to see the amount of success that you've seen, you know, throughout your career. That's a good one, man. First of all, I love teaching as well. If you look up the word doctor, we've all been fooled. Uh, it has something to do with medicine. Doctor means teacher. And so I believe if you're going to be a good doctor, you got to be a good teacher. I get the results I get in the office because I teach people how to be healthy. I teach them importance of exercise, nutrition, handling their stress. And I got to practice some things, right? You know how earlier I said, when you're back against the wall, you got to walk out what you talk about, right? If I'm telling you that the idea of my thoughts and my focus is important, then I got to have some type of practice that allows me to do that. And as I read more, more and more books, I started, I take notes when I read a book. I, can, I read books pretty fast. You know, I can read a 200 and some page book in probably a couple of hours and, and actually recall the information. And I take notes and I'm highlighting. I like actual physical books. And I started paying attention to these patterns. And what I found was the people that were really successful, they didn't live their life haphazardly. They were very focused and committed to their success. And a part of that success commitment is here. This is what dictates how you respond versus if you react. This is what dictates what my, where my ideas come from, what I put into action. When I think about myself, my own clarity and ideas. One book I read, man, messed me up. This book was written in the 60s. This guy said, you're intelligent, right? We're all intelligent. Why? Because we were made by intelligence. So if you're made by intelligence, therefore you have to be intelligent, right? I know, so profound and simple, right? <laughs> but he had this thing, man, where he said, if you don't like the thoughts in your head, change them, because you're the only person thinking there. And we, we just take stuff and let stuff happen and think because it's inside that it's uh, somehow an external thing, but you gotta be able to control your thoughts. So what I do, I have a routine. I'm a very structured person. So I, I have a planner that's very important to me because I live my life, if you know me, I live my life with my schedule, my planner. That's why I get times together. 
I knew what time zone you were in. I went to have it on my schedule, on my calendar, because if it's not on my planner, it's not happening. It's not important, right? So my, my day starts off with what I call my hour, my power hour. And during this time, this is prayer. This is a devotional, right? Listening, you got to have time to listen to God, right? Not just talk, right? But then I have some mindset things that I go over, right? I do a visualization. Well, I make sure that I go over some things that I'm grateful for in my life, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad it is. On my deathbed, I could think of a million things to be grateful for, right? So I start with what I'm grateful for. I do a visualization of my perfect day or my ideal life, right? How inspired is that? Versus waking up and thinking about my bills and everything else. Like, man, what would my life look like right now the way I would want it to be? What would my day look like today if it was perfect? That's how I start my mind going, right? And you know what happens when you open your mind in that direction? Your mind's going to find evidence and give you some resources and thoughts to help manifest those things. But if I wake up like, oh man, it's Tuesday. I got a long day today. Every time I turn around, I'm gonna have an excuse of, man, it's a long day. You know right? I wanna be inspired and I wanna inspire people. In my office, I give out all day long. And I can't give out if I'm empty, right? When you're in healthcare, you gotta understand, man, people don't come to doctors just for health. People come to doctors for hope. And if I'm depleted, then I'm, I'm gonna be hopeless myself. <laughs> right so I go through that man I go through some affirmations that I have written down for me personally you know they're all I am statements and I look at my goals short term long term I have some other things that I, I say some little not poems but just things that I've written or borrowed or taken and it's like really like a two page word document so I just print it out and I just read front and back and go through it and that gets me set and ready for my day and, and here's why. I'm glad I didn't even know we were going to talk about this, but I'm glad we're doing this. Here's why. You guys familiar with MMA fighting? Yes. Or boxing or something, right? Here's an analogy I use. Imagine if you two were going to jump in the ring with like Mike Tyson in his prime or Roy Jones Jr., right? I like Roy Jones Jr. I like Mike Tyson too, but Roy Jones Jr. was the man when I was growing up. If you're going to jump in the ring with one of them at their prime, what would it look like for you to go a week or two weeks fasting without eating? How well is that going to work out in the ring with somebody who's fast, who's powerful, and who's literally trying to beat you up, right? You're not going to have the legs to move, even if you are quick, right? That's what we look like going out to life every day. Life is a battle. We're being bombarded by uh, information, thoughts, social media, news, negativity, our own limiting thoughts, right? We, we've been being bombarded by all these things that we're battling all day and we're doing it on E. We're not taking enough time. If, if I got 24 hours and I know I'm going to spend most of that fighting, right, trying to get some things done, can I at least invest one hour to help me fight, you know? And when people say I don't have time to do that, my answer is you don't have time not to do that. If you can't afford to spend an hour preparing yourself for your life and for your success, then you can't afford not to. Yeah. I'm just trying to take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> just telling the truth, man. That's fine. Just telling the truth. Most people, everybody wants to be successful. And typically on an on a opportunity like this, a show like this, or anything else, here's what I get tired of. This is why I started doing some other things that I do. 
I get tired of doctors and successful entrepreneurs telling everybody about all the highlights, you know, uh, how, how rich I am and, and how many cars and how many patients and how many people I'm helping. And you have entrepreneurs and doctors, especially minorities that are stressed out and frustrated because they're not seeing that same progress and results. And then they feel like we gotta fake it till we make it because you know you get together and everybody's balling and you're not, you know? Um, and so then you're like, well, and then, you, and then we all go home trying to figure out what's wrong with me, right? Because people aren't spending enough time telling the truth and walking through what it takes to be successful. You can't expect to get a million dollars if you do, if you got a thousand dollar mindset. If your capacity is capped at that, if all you're thinking about is the things that people think about that are, are making a thousand dollars, how do you ever expect to get, so here's the thing, you can't say I get a million dollars and then I'll change my mindset. I change my ways once I get the million. It's the other way around. You change your mindset so you can get the million, right? But most of us are taught the opposite. So I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not judging. I'm not pretending like I'm better. I'm telling you things that I had to learn the hard way. I had to make a whole lot of mistakes to get you these lessons. But my hope is that whoever listens to this podcast, they can take these lessons that I'm teaching that I've had to experience and pay for, and they can now use them for free and benefit from them. That's altruism right there. Wow. So, wow, that was, that was good. <laughs> Man. So let's talk a little bit about, about dreams consulting. Let's, let's talk about that. How, how did that, how did that come into the picture? What sparked that? So I've always had people ask me different ideas and concepts, just like how you're asking me questions. These are questions that I get fielded all the time, all the time. And it was amazing because this would come from people who've been in business longer than me. And some of these people would be, way more successful than I am, which used to blow my mind, right? Like, but yet I was already coaching and consulting and giving them these types, this type of information. And my wife was like, why do you always <laughs> do all this and for these people? You don't even charge them. And I'm like, and you know, I would tell her stories like, hey, just got the phone with Paul, just got the phone with Carl. Man, they are killing it. You know, after that conversation we had, she was like, so did they pay you? I was like, no, I just, you know, and so I understood early. I told you Dr. Ming's teacher, right? I understood early that I was supposed to teach and coach, but I had to learn some things first. I had to learn some things as a doctor because that was an area that I was liking, right? You look at my background, nobody there had that information. So I had to go through that and learn some things in that process to now put together and help as a stepping stone to prepare me for doing something like this. So with dreams, I just finally was like, man, let me go ahead and put it together. All these books I read, right? So what I use with dreams consulting is one, I love it because it's biblically based. It's biblical principles and scripture. Like I love a whole lot of other programs. I'm not going to call any names. I love a lot of that stuff, man. But it's weird sometimes when you're somewhere and somebody starts talking about the third eye and, you know, the secret and I'm speaking things into existence and you can make it happen and all this kind of weird religious stuff. I'm just not with that. And I'm like, I'm not willing to sacrifice my own beliefs and values for the sake of being successful and making a bunch of money like you. Like, that's just not my thing. And so it was just on my heart, man. Like, I need to create something that I would want to be involved with that comes from a biblical standpoint that's based on mindset. That's actually the pillar, is the foundation, based on mindset. And it's successful principles. Trends and fads will go away. 
I mean, man, there's a new wave every day, right? I'm not trying to ride new waves. I'm trying to bring the whole ocean, the one that's been here the whole time, that the waves are riding on, right? And so I put these things together based off of books I read and things like that, and just my own unique expression and articulation of it, and really cutting through the weeds and helping people, man, live a higher sense of self. So that's how Dreams came about. I actually officially um, launched the business last year. I've coached a couple of doctors, kind of as my beta testers, and work with some other individuals and I'm at a point now where I'm really ready to go on a really big scale with that. I've done some presentations and things like it's it's always been exciting, great feedback. I mean I was reading my wife's text messages last week from the two doctors, you know, just what they just randomly in the same week sent me a text message like, hey, I just want you to know what you did for me and how this is having a tremendous impact on my life and just working with you, just never thought. And it's because a lot of us aren't clear on who we are. And if you don't, if you're not clear on who you are and your values, you'll choose opportunity over your values, right? And that's what happens. You know, somebody comes to you, hey man, I got this, got this, this is gonna be a lick, you're gonna make a whole bunch of money, got this opportunity for you, you can go work over here, my cousin will give you a job. All these things happen, right? And we choose these opportunities because they sound good and they can be good. But the cost is you're devaluing yourself. You're getting away from your purpose. You said your purpose and your goals are here, but every time an opportunity comes at you, you're, you're doing this and this and this and before you know it. It's like being in the ocean fishing. You don't realize when that tide comes in how far you drifted, right? And so I just want to help people, man. And my specific niche is Christian entrepreneurs. I feel like as God's people, we should be the example. We should be the representation of what success and wealth looks like if we're following God. What we look like saying we're following an all-knowing, all-powerful God that has everything, but all of us are poor, right? And it's not all about the money. I don't, you know, money is just a tool. It's a resource to be able to do things. But at the same time, if I don't have a lot, I can't do a lot. I can sit here and complain right now about this COVID virus and how it's disproportionate in certain communities. But if I don't have any ends that I can help contribute to a cause or education or anything like that, then we just all gonna sit here and complain. And that's what we miss. That was my epiphany. You wanna know my epiphany? Here's my epiphany. This was last year. I started thinking about how I got to a point where I was pretty disgusted with the politics, right? I was just, I'm tired, done with the politics, and I just hate some of the situations we're in, you know, even that last election, like why am I forced to vote one or the other when maybe I wouldn't vote for either, right? And I was just so disgusted with the politics and the use of religion conveniently for these things, right? And then I sat back and I realized I'm part of the Chamber of Commerce here in the, in the city, right? One of the board members and uh, one of the few minority board members and probably one of the youngest board members. And I had an epiphany, I'm sitting there at the table, right? All these things are going on, these topics. And I'm like, this is, what, this is what messes us up. Most of your leaders in the world, you know, your politicians, or even if they're not politicians, look at Bill Gates trying to use his influence, with this whole vaccine thing, right? The thing that these leaders have in common is they're successful. They've been successful entrepreneurs. And so they get to get into positions and places to make changes and do things. And the rest of us just have no say so. They represent us, but they don't always represent us, right? So my epiphany was, what if instead of the church or the people of God complaining about the people that are representing them, what if more of us were successful that we could be in positions or have more influence to make sure that our needs, our desires are actually being looked look after and fulfilled and cared for? 
So that was my epiphany. So that's why I'm like, the reason that we don't have a great presence, right? Whether it be being a minority or being a Christian, the reason why the uh, presence isn't always there is because the representation isn't there. And we have this whole humble philosophy that being a Christian means I got to be humble and I got to be broke because that's being humble. If, if, I, if I come up, then now I got to be ashamed, right? And I'm really going to mess you up with this one. Here's my, my look at that. I know that this is the truth, the truth, even if we don't say it. You know why? Look at how many times someone gets mad or complains about the type of car their pastor drives or the house they live in. I know I'm probably going to be unpopular. I, I was doing good up until this point. <laughs> and now I'm killing the whole podcast, right? So th- this is healthy for entrepreneurship though. So what does it look like? We don't operate well in contradiction, right? So if I'm going to complain about my pastor driving a nice car or living in a nice home, does that mean somehow because he's a pastor, he's unworthy or undeserving and he has to be poor to be humble? First of all, I don't know what other business businesses he has or what he had beforehand. It's none of my business, right? Work on what I work on. Let him have whatever he has. If he's not stealing or take, getting things by at, you know, negative means or in an inappropriate way, why should we care? If anything, the mindset should be, hey, I'm glad to see my pastor doing well because it's hard to come to church and have a pastor tell you what God can do for you. But when you're going to get your hoopty fixed up, how are you going to receive that message and be inspired if you can't look at the man of God himself and be inspired or herself and so until we understand my expectations for me shouldn't be different so then in the other case the turnaround is if I expect me to be able to if I visualize me having a Bentley I don't but let's say I'm visualizing me having a Bentley in a nice house so it's okay for me to visualize and have that for my success and my work, but it's not okay for a pastor or a preacher to do that. How idiotic is that? And the problem is you can't attain something that you deemed as negative. You will self-sabotage every time because you don't want to be who you criticize. I can drop the mic on that one and just be done. I'm just saying. That was free. I literally just dropped my jaw. <laughs> that was free. Wow. That kind of self-sabotage on on a grand scale is crazy, too, because, like, you know, I'm of the belief that, like, or I'll say it one of two ways. The first I heard Pastor Michael Todd say it, where he was like, like God only blesses who you are, not who you pretend to be. Right. And to me, that just resonates with, like, what you just said, just simply because, like, in order for you to to grow right so I'll, I'll use this example where i've been doing some trainings and as i'm going through there's that continuing theme right where this individual like he started a business and due to some accounting errors by his accountant found out he was out like 250 grand in payroll taxes that had not been paid now granted he hired somebody else to do that and it had not been done and like this was in one of the worst years of his life And so he told himself, like, well, we we have to pay it because I ain't going to jail. (laughs) It's like we have to pay it. And just seeing how, like you said, like you can't have a million million dollar dream with like a thousand dollar mindset for him. Like he put himself in a position. He was like, all right, well, like the only choice we have to do is generate this income. Granted, they did like a million in 90 days. But all that like hits me with it's just like, yo, like as long as you because part of it, too, I think and a lot of people don't 
may not be realizing this is even for like you with everything you've done, they, they haven't had a chance to see, I'll call it the training you've gone through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But people don't see behind the scenes. You know, they you see these the NBA scene. players, you, you see Kobe play, but when you read the book, right, Carl, you see that for him to be able to maintain that relationship with his kids, to be there to take his kids to school in the morning, he would work out at midnight. Yeah. Yep. Right? And so people don't see everything that you put into it. They just see the end result, right? Uh, one of my favorite Christian artists, his name is Andy Minio. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, he said, they see you on the top of the mountain, but they don't see you on the climb. Right? And, and but the, the key thing about that, Paul, is we have to be okay with people not seeing it. Right? If I get distracted or focused on what people don't see or acknowledge or give me credit for, I'll never make it. At the end of the day, I can't expect you to, to um, give me confirmation or validation for dreams, right? Even if I explained to you right now, you were looking at me like, I don't get it, man. I, th- I think you're off on that one, right? I'm so clear and focused on what was purpose for me. I'm good with that. And I don't even have to argue with you about it. I'm just like, cool. And the reason is, God gave me the vision. He didn't give it to you. So why am I, why am I holding weight to somebody who didn't see what I see? <laughs> you know? But if I'm, a, if I'm so stuck on being a people pleaser, and if I'm so stuck on trying to make sure that I line up with your expectations and I want you to like me, right, social media, I want to like, you know, or the comment. I post stuff. I don't even look at the comments. I'm not here for that. I'm clear on why I'm here. I think Jay-Z said that in one of his songs. So <laughs> I'm going to call Hove right in the middle. So, let, so let, me, let me round off my question asking with this. Overall, like, in order to even put yourself in a position, because, like, you like to teach. And I think it's important for people to basically understand because we've given them a lot. We've given them a ton of stuff, right? And so in order, in order to like avoid overwhelm or like, not whatever, like what would you say if somebody comes up to you, right? They got the dreams consulting. Hint, hint, y'all got to go sign up. You got the dreams consulting. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, coach, look, I just need like two or three things I need to start working on right now before I even join up, before I even have you coach me through everything, just to put myself in position, even be ready to receive that kind of mindset. What would you ask them to like start digging into to get there? That's a really good question. Uh, The first thing I say is start with your refining slash defining your purpose. It's got to be the foundation because if you don't know what your purpose is, it doesn't matter what goals you set. I can set goals today, but if my goals don't align with my purpose, then they're just somebody else's goals. And I will chase them with all I have. You can be all in with the wrong agenda. If I hop in my car right now and I want to drive to Disney World and my GPS put in Disneyland, I'm going to do the best I can to get there. But I'm not going to get there because I had the wrong set of instructions. So I would say start with your purpose. Figure out what your purpose is. There's some exercises for that. I can walk people through that if they don't know how to do it. But there's a lot of exercises that can help you figure out your purpose and what and slash what you want out of life. Uninhibited. Like don't don't limit what you want out of life. Don't think about your age, your race, your whatever, and what you think you can have. You gotta be able to say, this is what I want in a perfect world. 
That's number one. Number two is you got to actually deal with those limiting thoughts, right? Because a lot of times your biggest, your biggest enemy is you. It's your voice. And I tell folks, you know, if, if the things that you think sometimes, especially the things that discourage you and detract you from your purpose, if that was an actual person talking to you, you wouldn't talk to that person. You'd be like, man, here you go. This dude's negative, man. I always got something crazy to say. Let me go sit over here. So if you would treat a human being like that, why do you tolerate that from you? And a lot of times it's because a lot of us go through things in life, man, that are so traumatic and we don't get counseling or help, right? We know that our community just counseling is like a bad word, right? We don't want to do it. And a lot of us don't have access to do it even if we want to. Most of us need counseling by the age of three with the stuff that we see and go through, right? And in that same vein, that perpetuates to not knowing how to handle and check these negative thought patterns. And so now you can have a great goal, God can be for you, but God doesn't change your free will. That's the one thing he gives us control over. And so if I don't understand how to handle and process my thoughts to make sure that they line up with my purpose and the pureness of who I am, right, my clarity, then man, I will sabotage myself without even knowing. And that comes with, you know, like Carl was saying, that's the, that's the taking the time out to have a routine, you know, to, to work on affirming myself. That's what affirmations are, right? That's working on my own mindset. I got to invest in that, man, nothing else. I feel like I got to a point last year. Last year was actually a tough year for me. I opened a second practice and it was hard, much harder than I thought it was going to be. And it took a lot out of me, man, for real mentally, physically, spiritually, it was a tough year. But I got to the point where I was able to say, man, if things don't work out and I lose everything, I still have everything I need, right? My biggest investments have been made here. Somebody can come and take this building and tell me, lock the door and say, you can't come back in anymore. All your equipment, everything has to stay. They can take everything I have, physically, materially, but they can't take this. I can go and start all over again. And the lessons that I learned from this, right? And so we got to have that confidence in who we are and stop and block that, that negative thinking. But what if, right now, somebody's sitting here like, well, what if, you know, my job isn't deemed essential health care and this goes on? You know, what if I can't find a job now coming out of school because of all this stuff? What if, what if, what if you can't? The other question is, what if you can? Don't stay stuck on the negatives of everything. Because your mind is called the reticular activating system. We can do a part two to this sometime. But your mind will allow you to focus on what you deem important. And if the negative is important, then that's what you'll find. It's the same part of your brain that helps you find your car everywhere you go, right? Before you got that car, you never noticed that car. But once you got one, it's important to you. So now you find your car everywhere you go. And that same thing works with all the negative stuff. So starting with your purpose following up with eliminating, and it's a process, it's not overnight, eliminating your limiting beliefs, and three, putting together a structure, a routine plan, where you can consistently work these things and plan your life out day by day, man. Don't try to take the whole thing out. Pick two or three things a day that you're going to work on, but we have to be willing to put in the work with the most important things. Most people procrastinate because some of the things that are most important are also the most undesirable. They're the most uncomfortable. They're hard things. You know what I'm saying? If I come to work and I got to just be in again, I told you I'm transparent. If I need to talk to one of my team members about their performance or about their tardiness, man, nobody likes those conversations, you know? So if I put that off because I need to go, you know what? I'm going to go do this other thing 
instead, right? And then I end up doing a bunch of other things, but then guess what? Tomorrow they're late again. And now I'm really frustrated because if I had had a conversation with them, I should have, and I wouldn't have to deal with this. And so be committed, be all in, prioritize your life. And that prioritization has to start with you. You got to put you, not in a selfish way, in a self-absorbing way, but you got to say, man, if I'm going to be successful, if I'm going to give it all I got, I got to take time to invest in me every day. That's what I would say to somebody. So I want to piggyback off of that question into my last one. And so let's say, you know, they, they put these three things into action and now they're coming back and they're like, coach, like, like I get it. Um, I've been implementing these things. Now I feel like I'm just really lost with being able to maintain those things. And I know you're really good as far as personal development what would be the top three books that you would recommend to them if you were going to recommend books? And if not books, what would be the next best thing that you would recommend to them? So top three books, Bible is definitely one of them, but they don't have one. It's a lot of wisdom in there, man. You'd be surprised. So Bible is one. Number two is a book that I love that I read called Uncaged. Really good book. I mean, phenomenal. The lessons in it. I probably use a highlighter more than almost any other book I read, but Uncaged was a beast. And third one would be Chase the Lion. That's one of my all-time favorites. Chase the Lion had the concept of if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough, right? If you're going to pursue a God-sized dream, it has to look like you can't do it. You know, you rewind back to my story, opening a practice with enough money for two months, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. I, I clearly didn't have the means and resources to do it and to be in that position. But I did mind chasing the lion. You know what I'm saying? So those three books would be three that I would recommend. And then my other thing, you know, would be just to reach out to me. You know, I do free discovery calls is what I call it. I do a free 15 minute call with someone to see if I'm a good fit. And if, if they need what I have to offer, because what I have to offer, as you can see from the way I talk to you, is a system. It's not a, you know, here or there. It's a system to walk you through a specific process to help you be your, your best self. And if I speak with someone and I don't think they're a great fit for the system, and it's not about money, right? I mean, obviously that's a part of it, but it may be that they don't need all the parts of the system. They have most of that. Then I'll give them some other recommendations or guidance. You know, it's not about me. I feel like there's enough people that need my help. I don't have to worry about trying to help everybody. I'm not for everybody, right? So I would just tell them to go to the website, which is simply, I love it. It's maximizeyourpurpose.com. That's my website. And that pretty much sums up what I'm about. You know, I talk to you, I tell you what, start with purpose, no them beliefs, right? Just maximize your purpose. So that's what I would recommend. But those three books are great. Perfect, perfect. Wow that was phenomenal like really just thank you because one of the things that me and Paul love about our podcast is just it it gives us the ability to never stop being students and we're able to you know speak with such wise people as yourself you know that bring so much value not just to us but you know our listeners as well so it's been such a pleasure you know again thank you you know, you could have been anywhere else. You could be with your family right now when you made some time to, to hop on the podcast. So we, we just really appreciate you. Thank you for that. 
welcome. Yeah, my daughter was calling me a while ago. She didn't know I had this. So she's, I got a girl's <laughs> name. So they're like, Daddy, you're supposed to be home by now. Uh, so I was trying to turn text like, I know, hold on. But no, man, I, again, you're, you are who you are. And if your purpose is your purpose, then you will make time to take care of those things. And I don't look at this as just me sitting down um, with, with two gentlemen, uh, two educated gentlemen like yourselves. I look at this as these are a whole bunch of people, not just today, not just next week, not just this year, man. Somebody will find this podcast five years from now, and, and it may hit them where they, where, where they needed it at that time. And so I want to do all I can you know, to help other people as much as possible. Because again, I didn't get here by myself. I had a lot of people that poured inside of me. And if it wasn't directly, it was from reading. And uh, sometimes we don't do well because we don't know any better. So my pastor says, when you know better, you do better, right? And so we gotta understand, we can't just judge people. Some people just don't know. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So tell us for, you know, the, the people that are listening and they wanna get in contact with you, like how can they do that? What, what social media handles or what contact information do you wanna leave the people with? Sure. Uh, so as far as social media, you know, there's two different sides. There's the dreams um, and then there's the wellness practice. So the Facebook page is just Active Family Wellness. Just those three words all together. Um, and then maximize your purpose uh, for the dreams, um, Instagram and Facebook. They can also email me. It's just dr for doctor, drg at tx for Texas wellness. And then the word doc, D-O-C.com. So it reads Dr. G at ttxwellnessdoc.com. So that's probably the best way um, to contact me. My phone stays in the break room all day. So telling you to call me, I don't check my phone until I'm on break or at the end of my, uh, at the end of the evening. Because when I'm with someone, I'm with someone. I don't want to be interrupted. So email, find me on social media, DM, you know, inbox, whatever. And I'll respond as soon as possible. But I love to have conversations to help guide people, man. We, we need more, more of us, and we need more of this, of people that have the right mindset. Because imagine a bunch of people living on purpose and serving at a high level. Imagine how different the world would be, right? And so that's why I do what I do. All right. Well, thank you once again. We'll get you out of here so your daughters can see you. <laughs> um, appreciate you. Uh, everybody, once again, thank you for tuning in for another edition of Off the Clock. As always, we love you. We appreciate you. You could have been listening to any other podcast or been anywhere else, but you decided to choose us. So for that, we're grateful, sending you much love and much blessings, and we will see you guys next week. Peace. God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. PhysioMemes. This episode was also brought to you by the Acceptance Navigator series. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really don't have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. Let the Acceptance Navigator series show you how. You can find them at www.acceptancenavigator.com. 
When you go on there, make sure to let them know that Paul and Carl sent you over to jumpstart your acceptance into physical therapy school. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in.